Good morning, One Hope. It's February 14th, 2024. Our passage for today is Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 4, to chapter 9, verse 8. We're in the third sermon of Judah, uh, sermon of Jeremiah, sorry. And today's passage can be divided into two parts. The first part, chapter 8, verse 4 to 17, is about the impending judgment on the kingdom of Judah. More specifically, God talks about the low state which Judah has reached, which then Jeremiah says necessitates God's judgment upon them. Verse 4, say to them, this is what the Lord says, when people fall down, do they not get up? When someone turns away, do they not return? Why then have these people turned away? Why does Jerusalem always turn away? They cling to deceit. They refuse to return. Picture yourself on the road driving, and you have a destination you're driving to. But then all of a sudden, the GPS in your car tells you that you are going the wrong way. What would you do? All of us would turn around and follow the direction that GPS shows us. That's normal. That's what all of us would do. And yet, the people of Judah, God has given them that, and shown them that they're going the wrong way. And yet, they don't even bother to think about turning around. They don't return back to God. Friends, that's what happens when sin enters. We become stubborn. Let's go on with verse 6. It says, I've listened attentively, but they do not say what is right. None of them repent of their wickedness, saying, What have I done? Each pursues their own course like a horse charging into the battle. Another thing that happens is when sin enters us, into us, sin intensifies. So the people of Judah, not only they refuse to not return or refuse to return, they also run towards sin and evil like a horse charging into battle. With intensity, they run all the more towards sin. Verse 7, Even the stork in the sky knows our appointed seasons, and the dove, the swift, and the thrush observe the time of their migration. But my people do not know the requirements of the Lord. What also happens when sin enters? Well, the animals God has created, they do not break the creation principles of God. They stick to it. We don't see them breaking the creation principles. And yet, humans, when sin enters, we break them. Humans were created to rule the animals. But what this verse 7 is showing us is that when sin enters we become worse than the beasts because sin robs us of our human dignity which God has given to us. And then this chapter also uh, shows us what the leaders have done and are doing. Verse 11, peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Verse 12, are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. So they keep telling the people 
that you're going to be fine. We're going to be fine because we're Jerusalem. There's a temple here in the city. Why would ever we ever be destroyed no matter what we do? We won't be destroyed. Have peace. There will be peace. Be at peace. And yet, in telling these lies, they don't even have, feel any shame. Friends, sin paralyzes us. It paralyzes our spiritual sense. Sin doesn't happen easily. When we first do it, it's hard. We look around to see whether we'll be caught or if someone's seen us commit that act of sin. But then, if you continue, when we continue to stay in that sin, it intensifies and it becomes easier and easier, that much easier next time we commit that sin. That's what sin does to us. So in verse 13, God says, well, that's why I have to bring judgment upon you. And then verses 14 to 17 describes the day of the destruction when the people of Judah will lament. So those are the lamenting words of the people. And you can read that for yourself, verses 14 to 17. But then when we now get to verse 18, what we have is first Verse 18, Jeremiah's lament, which begins, You who are my comforter in sorrow, my heart is faint within me. As a prophet of God, when he thinks about this coming judgment, he, he is lamenting. His heart is broken. But then in his lament, which follows, what we have is not only Jeremiah's lament, but the lament of the people of Judah. Verse 19, is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king no longer there? So what the people are saying is, we are Zion, we are Jerusalem, we have the temple of God. Why is God, our king, no longer here? And this has happened and we are destroyed. Verse 20 also says the Harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. That's also the lament of the people of Judah. Where is our salvation? What has happened to us? Where is the harvest? But then what we have in yellow, in verse 19, is the response of God, where he says, Why have they aroused my anger with their images, with their worthless foreign idols. The people are saying and lamenting, isn't God supposed to be in Zion, the city of God? Is he not here anymore? Why is he not here anymore? And God in verse 19 responds by saying, it's because of you. You have aroused my anger because you have chased after these idols. And I'm no longer there because of you. And I have left and why did God leave Zion? Well, Jeremiah wants to show us that it's not that God had left, but it's that the people of Judah have driven God out of Zion. By their idolatry, by their sin, they've driven him out. It's not that he abandoned them, but they have driven him, driven God out of Zion, their city and the city of God. 
We want our lives to be a Zion, where God is present, where he blesses us, and we experience his blessings and his goodness and kindness and his amazing work in our lives. We want our lives to be a Zion. But then, what we see is that exactly the same thing the people of Judah are lamenting about. But why is God not here in my Zion? I felt that last Sunday as we were praying for those students, I have this sensing that some of the students at least feel that, well, isn't my schooling, education, the place that I'm in, isn't this supposed to be a Zion? God, why are you not here? Why is your blessing, your joy, your happiness not in my Zion called school? Others of you may feel that way for your business. In my business, I want this business to be a Zion, but why are you not here? Why is your joy not in my business? Why is your blessing not in my business? Same thing with my job, my family, relationship, my own cell group that I belong to. Why is God not here in, my, in our Zion? Why is he not making it? A Zion that he said he would be, that he would be king in that place. He would pour his blessing, joy, and happiness upon this Zion that he has called me into. Why did he leave? But perhaps is we need to think about this, that it's not that he has left, but maybe we have driven him out and in our Zion, whatever that Zion is, maybe the school, our school, jobs, business, family, sales, our worship service, maybe it's not that he's left, but we've driven him out and that he's no longer welcome because we're consumed by our own idols and our own sin and sinfulness. And, and there's no more room for him. And it's not that he doesn't want to come back in. He can't because we've driven him out. And he will never come back in when we don't welcome him. He's not that kind of God who marches and forces his way into our hearts and into our lives and into our Zions. So based on this response of God, our takeaway for today that I want to encourage you with this is this. Make room for God. Make room for him so that he might come back so that he can come back, that we might welcome him back into our Zion and experience that blessing and joy and happiness again. You and I are called to be a Zion, and God has promised us that we will be a Zion. And that goes for your schooling as well. That goes for your marriage. That goes for your family. That goes for your jobs and businesses and your Christian life. God has promised that it will be a Zion, but we have to make room for him. Otherwise, he will not be present. We will end up driving him out. So on this day, let's make room for him again throughout our day, pockets of our time. That's the first way in which we do this, throughout and in between the times that we are given on this day. We make room for him. We think about him. We engage with him. We open up the word of God and we talk to him. We praise him and we sing songs to him. We keep making room for him and he will return and make us a prosperous Zion.
that he wants us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.